What do you say after that except, wow, praise God, and uh, thank you, Pastor Nick, and uh, choir and worship team for leading us in uh, great worship this morning. God is worthy of our praise, isn't he? And uh, you seem to believe that by the way you responded and were worshiping, and uh, it's great to do that, and uh, good morning, uh, Harvest West Indy, and uh, great to be with you this morning. My wife Lynn and I have been uh, really looking forward to this weekend. And uh, being with you and the chance to open God's word and preach uh, to you this morning. Uh, we're thankful for your church and that you're a part of our fellowship. I'm thankful for the way that God is using your church in a mighty way to make an impact in this community. And it's fun. We were here, I think, maybe about it seemed like a year ago. And to come back and see new faces and more people. And they might have to start thinking about a third service here soon. And so uh, it's pretty exciting about what God is doing we always love the opportunity to see your pastor, uh, Pastor Doug and his wife, Karen. We love them. We're thankful for them. He's not only respected in our fellowship, and he is, um, but we love him for his commitment to preaching God's word. And I want you to know this. He really loves you guys. And I think you know that and sense that. And uh, you pray for your pastor and his wife as they continue to give good leadership to here. And we're thankful for the staff who serve so uh, faithfully with them. And thank you for your participation, your support of Harvest Bible Fellowship. Lynn and I get a chance, as Pastor Doug said, to serve in the fellowship as well as in our church. It's one of the great joys in our life. I think one of the greatest things that God is doing through our churches is this thing called uh, planting, uh, church planting churches. And uh, he's doing that all around the world. And uh, we've seen over 150 churches now planted. And we think the greatest way to impact a community is get a Bible teaching church into that community. We have, uh, we're, our goal is to get 40 guys into the training center this year who will go out and plant churches. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. And will you pray for us as we continue to train guys uh, to go out and plant churches as something we're committed to doing together. I'm also excited about this series that you guys are doing. You know, We Are. What a great name. We Are. And uh, going through our, what we call our four pillars. And it's these four pillars are things that define who we are. And uh, last week, Pastor Nick preaching on we are unashamed. That was obvious here this morning in the worship, you know, like we are unashamed. We're going to lift our voices and lift our hands and we're pretty fired up about the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And that showed we're unashamed. That's who we are. And then this morning now we're going to open up uh, the word and see that we are unapologetic. That's how we feel about God's word. That's how we feel about preaching. We're committed to that. We are unapologetic in the way that we preach. And you get that kind of preaching here every week. I'm just find it, uh, I'm humbled that uh, I get the opportunity to preach on this one uh, this morning. And so we're going to look into God's word. That shouldn't surprise you. We're going to look into God's word. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 to 5 because Paul the greatest preacher of all time, the Apostle Paul had something to say about preaching. And he wrote it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 5. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a little context, though. That's always important. As you're coming to a passage of Scripture, like, why did Paul write the things that he wrote? Uh, what was going on in his life? Why was he in this place called Corinth? Well, I want to tell you, you know, what was going on and give you a little context before we just kind of jump into this. Uh, Paul had now arrived in a place called Corinth. And uh, he had two purposes. There was two. He was to build the church and he was trying to win lost people to Jesus Christ. 
build a church and win lost people to Jesus Christ. Of course, the question comes, well, how is he about to do that? Well, it wasn't easy. It was a, it was a big task, but God had commanded him uh, to go and to do this. And let me just tell you a little bit about Corinth because it will help you to understand some of the obstacles that he was facing. Listen, Corinth was a very large city. It was flourishing. It was a port city. It was wealthy. It was prosperous. It was cosmopolitan. But Corinth also had another reputation that was well known. It was known as a city of a great moral and sexual decay. In fact, when people in the regions around heard the word Corinth, it had become synonymous for moral and sexual depravity. Can you imagine that? This is what your city's known for. This is the city that God was calling Paul to to build his church and to win people to Christ. Now, put yourself in Paul's shoes. I want you to do, think about, you're the apostle Paul. How are you gonna do that? You don't know very many people. How are you gonna do that? Well, I thought about that. You know, how, how, how would maybe I start going about trying to do that? Well, one of the ways that came to my mind was, hey, maybe I'd use, oh, here's a good, drama. Drama. The Greeks loved drama, you know, and so why not find some actors and maybe we can kind of bring them into the city and they can start kind of acting out the gospel and what Christ has done for us. Or maybe they could act out some of the Bible stories. What a great way to impact people, right? Right. Maybe that's a way to. No, no, that's, that's not what Paul did. Oh, oh, here's another idea. Get a celebrity, you know. The Greeks loved the Roman games. Oh, they loved the Olympics. Hey, yeah, why not go and find a Christian athlete, a Christian Olympian, and, and get, bring him into the middle of the city and let him kind of tell his story about how he came to know Christ and how he's changed his life. There's a great way to kind of accomplish those goals. Not a bad thing, but no, no. That, that's not what Paul was called to do. Oh, here's another way. Relationships relationships that's a that's a good thing you know like maybe paul could start building relationships with some of the most influential people in the, in the city of corinth have them into his home start getting to know them build a friendship with them maybe kind of earn the right to somehow start to share the gospel with them and if they became christians and they could go out and start impacting people and influencing them but not a bad thing but was that what paul was called to is that how he's going to accomplish his purposes the purposes of god no what was called, called, how was Paul going to accomplish this? God had called him to preach. That's how he was to reach this city. God had called him as Paul had always done whenever he went to a city. The way that God had ordained, the way that God always blesses, God had called him to reach this city through preaching. Through preaching. And to do it unapologetically. Look, I, I'm not just making this up. Um, did you realize that the word preaching is used 112 times in scripture? This is not a new concept. Uh, think about it. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, what was the first thing that he did? According to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, it says that Jesus went out and started to preach 
The gospel, he, he called people to repentance for the kingdom of God, he said, is at hand. Listen, when Jesus sent his disciples out in, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7, do you know what he told them to do? He said, go and preach. Preach repentance to people. Listen, when Paul was reflecting on being called into the ministry, when his life was changed, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul said, I have been appointed to Listen, if you're coming to Harvest Bible Chapel here in West Indy, it's really, really important for you to know, and I, I'm not informing you. I know, you know many of you know this. This is something this church is built on. I'm just reminding us that one of the pillars that tells us who we are when it comes to how we're reaching people is we believe that God has called us to and to do it unapologetically. Okay, so where does that come from? Well, let's look into God's word. I want to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. We're going to read to verse 5, and here's what Paul said. He said this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When we talk about unapologetic preaching, I think there's, we've got to understand what do we mean by that? And I think Paul gives us four principles that help define what we mean here when we say unapologetic preaching, if that's who we are. But before we do that, we just bow in a word of prayer with me. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you with our voices. We've worshiped you with our giving. And now, God, we want to worship you through the teaching of your word. I'm just your messenger today, Lord. It's all I am. But I pray that you would fill me and empower me, like I just said here, with your spirit, with your power to communicate your word in a very clear and practical way. God, I pray that we would lean into your word this morning, that our hearts would be ready to receive what you would say to us, that we would have a clear understanding and a greater commitment to who we are, that we preach unapologetically. That not only would we do it in this church, but we do it through our lives. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Four principles. Are you ready? Some of you say we're ready. we're ready. Oh, you are ready. Okay, let's do that. Here's the first principle. How do we preach? How do we preach? I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> No, you're right. The word I wrote down was though boldly. All right, boldly. And some of you are saying, well, where does that come from? I'm going to tell you. It's right here in verse one. How do we preach? All right, boldly. Listen, Paul is making it very clear here in verse one that God cares about how his word is communicated and God wants his word communicated boldly. All right, now some of you are saying, and this is always a good question. Okay, Rick, I hear what you're saying, but where are you getting that from? Always a good question. Well, it's coming right out of verse one, right out of his word. And look what he says. Let me read it. And I, I when I came to you, brothers, did not come, key phrase, 
proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Now, there's three key phrases here that give us an insight into this principle. So let's start to break this down. Here's the first one. What's this phrase mean, the testimony of God? This is what Paul was preaching, the testimony of God. What is it? Bottom line, it's God's word, all right? It's the Bible. It's just another term for God's word uh, or the Bible. And uh, this word testify is, is, is the uh, key word here that Paul was communicating. When somebody, he, Paul's uh, kind of picturing a courtroom when he uses this word. And, and when a person comes into court and they're called to testify, they're supposed to tell the truth. You're supposed to tell the truth. And when a person gives testimony or testify, they can only testify to what they have heard, to what they have seen, and what they have experienced. And Paul is using this term to say, that's exactly what God has done in his word. Isn't this great when you think about it? God has given testimony to himself. He's revealed himself to us. And he's told us who he is, what he has done. He's told us how he responds to us and how he wants us to relate to him. Now, here's the great thing when you think about that. As you're holding God's word in your hands this morning, you can have confidence that this book is truthful and trustworthy and reliable because this is God's revelation of himself to mankind. And that is what we preach with confidence and boldness and unapologetically. The testimony of God. Then Paul goes on and he says this. Did you see that little phrase that comes after? Because now Paul's going to tell you, this is what it is. Now, how are we supposed to communicate it? He says this. Here's the negative. First, he says, not with lofty speech or wisdom. Not with lofty speech or wisdom. Let me just explain that to you for a minute. What does that mean? Uh, the word literally means excellence of words. That's what lofty means. Excellence of words. You know why Paul was writing that? Because it was... It was uh, he was speaking right into the Corinthian culture. You know what they were like? They loved philosophy. They loved to come down into the center of city and have people stand up and give these great oratories and, and, and talk about the latest thoughts and my opinions and this is what I think and debate all. Paul's saying, that's not how I'm coming to communicate God's word. I'm not coming to tell you how smart I am. I'm not trying to... Uh, impress you with how much I know. I'm not trying to use these big words so you'll be impressed with my broad vocabulary. How do we want to communicate God's word? With three words. I believe this is what Paul was communicated and this is what we are uh, committed to as we communicate God's word. And here they are. We want to communicate God's word with simplicity and clarity and urgency. Can I just come back to those three words and tell you what do I mean by that? Simplicity. When we're communicating God's word, I just want to make it simple. I want to take God's truths and try to take these great truths and communicate them in a way that you understand and use words that just communicate simplicity. Clarity. What do we mean by that? Why does Pastor Doug, why do whoever's standing in this pulpit, why do they open up God's word? And like I'm trying to do this morning, walk you through a passage of scripture so that you can see these are not my thoughts. These are not my opinions. I'm just explaining to you exactly what God's word says. Simplicity, clarity. Here's a third thing. How do we communicate God's word? With urgency. Urgency. 
Do we just want you to come here and listen to a message so your, heart, your head's filled with more knowledge and information? Yes, there's some things that we need to know, but don't stop there. We communicate God's word with urgency. What we're telling you matters. It applies to your life. You need to take it and use it today. It should change and transform our life. Now, why do we communicate God's word with simplicity and clarity and urgency? For this reason, so that you would have a higher view of God's word. So you'd have a higher view of God's word. So that you would see as we're doing this, as we're trying to model this for you, as we're trying to communicate God's word with those three words, we're hoping that you would, as you're holding God's word in your hand and listening to this message and walking, see how I'm walking you through this passage, you would go, I can do that too. I can do, I see that. I, I can apply that. I could do that. And that you would have a greater love and confidence of God's word in your own life. That we'd communicate the testimony of God, not with lofty speech or wisdom. And then Paul goes on, he says this third thing. He says, proclaiming. Do you see that? Do you see where he said that I come proclaiming to you? This is where we get this word boldness. The word proclaiming literally means to announce or to herald. That's what that word means. To announce or to herald. Listen, do you remember what a herald was back in these days? Remember what a herald was? When the king had an important message that he wanted to deliver to his people, what would he do? He would send his herald. Now, second question, how would a herald communicate the king's message? Well, he'd run into the middle of this town and he'd go, ah, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you, but would you mind listening to me just for a minute? Is that what he did? Look, he was representing the king. He had a message from the king. He was coming with the king's authority. And it was a message that needed to impact the lives of people. It was important for them to hear. He would find a prominent space. He would lift up his voice and he would communicate the king's message with boldness. Now listen, loved ones. We have a king too, as followers of the Lord Jesus. His name's Jesus, and he's given us his message, and it's called the Bible. And guess what? He wants his message to be communicated through his messenger with boldness and unapologetically. We're committed to that. It's who we are. Because God uses his word in the lives of his people to change and transform us. We desperately need it. Now, can we just make this a little more practical? I'm not just, because you know what? It's not just the person behind the pulpit who's preaching. We're all become preachers, proclaimers of God's truth. You can teach your children's God's word. You, you, you can reach your neighbor with God's word. You can talk to that person at work about God's word. That person that God places just randomly into your life on that airplane or as you're walking. You can share God's word with them and you can do it unapologetically and boldly. We don't mean you're going to ram it down their throat. But when God opens the window and gives me the opportunity, I will speak for him. How do we preach? Boldly. That's what it means to be unapologetically, unapologetic. Here's number two, second principle. 
Who do, we, who do we preach? That's how do we preach boldly. Now, who do we preach? We preach Jesus. Yes, I heard you guys saying it. We preach Jesus. That's the blank. And that comes right from verse two. Look at what Paul goes on. He says, he says this. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and, and him crucified. The gospel. That's right. You know, Paul makes it really perfectly clear that the centerpiece of his preaching was the gospel. That's what he was about, the gospel. Now, here comes the question. Why did Paul say that? Why was Paul so fired up about the gospel? Why was it the centerpiece of his preaching? I'll tell you, there was two reasons, I believe. Here's the first one. When Paul became a follower of Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, he had that radical transformation. What did Jesus tell him to go and do? He was to preach the gospel to the Jew first and then the Gentile. That's what he was commanded to do, and he did it faithfully. But I think there's a second reason why Paul was so fired up about the gospel is because of the way the gospel had radically changed his life. Paul was a living example of the power of the gospel and how it can transform Form a person. Think about it. For many years, Paul fought God. Now he's serving him. Paul was out killing Christians. Now he's loving them. Paul was seeking for many years to destroy the church. And now what's Paul giving his life to? He's building it. Why do we preach Jesus Christ in the gospel? Why do we preach his word boldly? Because it's the gospel that transforms a person's life. And Paul knew, even though many times when he stood right here in Corinth and other places, that the gospel was resisted and he went to prison and he suffered for it. He was committed to doing it because he knew it was the greatest need in a person's life. And you know what? It's still the greatest need in our world today that people would come into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we preach boldly? Who do we preach? Jesus. But before we move on there, there's a warning for us as a church. I really believe there is. There's a warning here. You know, it's so easy for us as believers, and if you know Jesus Christ today, we could kind of go, that's fantastic, Rick. I, I, I agree with you. And do, do you remember the day that the gospel changed your life? Do you remember that? I remember that clearly in my life. When I was 12 years old, I remember our church had a, a guest preacher that day. And you know what he preached on? He came and preached the gospel. And I remember sitting there, even as a 12-year-old, listening to this man as he opened up God's word. And he told me that because I was a sinner, because I had broken God's laws, sometimes in my thinking or my words or my actions, I was a sinner. And because I was a sinner, I deserve God's judgment and I deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. But you know what else he went on and told me? That the Bible says very clearly that God loved me so much that he sent his only sinless son who lived a perfect life and laid down his life willingly on the cross for the world. That if I would come to the place where I would embrace by faith for myself that Jesus did that for me, that instead of judgment, I could have forgiveness of my sin. I could have a relationship with this God. I could have a new heart and, and new purposes in my life. I would be saved. Do you remember that day in your life? 
That's why we preach Jesus. He radically changes a person's life. Now here's the warning. Let me come back to the warning. A lot of us remember that day and we can start thinking that, oh yeah, I'm so thankful for the gospel. Rick, I was just remembering my old time in my life and we're thankful for it, but we can get to the place where we really believe that the gospel isn't impacting our life now. You couldn't be further from the truth. Paul's also reminding us that the gospel is the centerpiece for our Christian life. Do you realize that? Let me just explain that. The gospel is still the centerpiece for living the Christian life. I want to just give you three words. How is that true, Rick? What do you mean by that? It's this. First of all, write down the word person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, if any man is in Christ, he's what? He is a new creation, a new person. The old is passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. He's making you new. And it reminds me, what did the gospel do in my life? Listen, I'm not the old person I used to be. I have a new identity because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm now a follower of him. I'm not that old person. He gave me a new heart. He gave me new desires. He gave me a new person, uh, new purposes. And my goal is to become more like Jesus Christ in my life. That's the first thing the gospel reminds me about on a daily basis, my identity, who I am as a person. But here's the second thing. It reminds me about power. Power. Don't you find sometimes that the Christian life is really hard? That God calls us to do some pretty difficult things? I like what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Don't forget this. He said, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. What is he telling you? He's reminding you of the power source to live the Christian life. You can't do it on your own. And the same God, who, the same spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit in the follower of Jesus Christ who is alive and living in you and is empowering you to live the Christian life today no matter what God is calling you to do. Can I give you an illustration of that? Have you ever seen the uh, launch of the space shuttle before? Yeah, we've all probably seen it on TV. Maybe some of you have even been there alive. It's an amazing sight every time I see it. You see on the launch pad that space shuttle and it's pointing towards uh, the, the, the stars. And what do you see attached to the side of that space shuttle? There's these rockets. And what happens at the time of ignition? Those rockets fire up and you see the flames and the smoke and this amazing thing happens. They lift that space shuttle off the launch pad and at quite a rate of speed, it makes its way into the heavens. But what happens to those rockets at a certain point in time? They fall away and the space shuttle is left to move with its own power. Listen, loved ones, God's power is not like that. God's power is not like that. The gospel reminds us about this, that God's power is continual. It's available. It's exactly what we need to live and accomplish the things that God is calling us to do in our life, no matter how hard. Person, our identity, the power to live the Christian life. Here's the third thing the gospel does and why we need to remind ourselves about it daily. Write down the word priority. Priority. Do you remember in the garden before Jesus went to the cross? See, he keeps coming back to the gospel. What was he wrestling with? Let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew what he was going to go through. The suffering, the pain, 
separation from his father. He said, will you let this cup pass from me? But then he said, what? Not my will, but your will be done that I might glorify my father who is in heaven. What's that reminding us? What's the priority of my life? What's the gospel reminding me? That God might be glorified in my life. As I die to self and I'm alive to Jesus Christ and I'm reminded of my identity and drawn his power as he's changing my life, I'm bringing glory to him as I put on display the difference that Christ makes in a person's life. Where do you need God's power? Where do you need the gospel? Where do you need that to be reminded in your life today? For some of you, it might be in a relationship. A trust has been broken. There's a pain in your life. But God is calling you to move forward in a biblical way. Trust him. Remind yourself of the gospel and who he is. For some of you, it might be financial. Maybe that's the challenge that you're facing. A job has been lost. We're wondering how bills will be paid. Remind yourself of the gospel that Jesus Christ will be faithful in whatever he's calling you to. For some of you, it may be a bondage. Can I really be free from this? Remember that's not who you are. Remember your identity in Christ. How do we preach? We preach boldly. Who do we preach? We preach Jesus Christ. Here's the third thing. What's the way that we preach? What is the way that we preach? Paul tells us this in verse three. Write down the word dependent. Dependent. I love this part of the uh, passage because it's really reflecting on the preacher specifically. Dependent. I love this next verse because it gives us some insight into the life of Paul, into the heart of the preacher, and uh, exactly what he felt. It's what the preacher feels every time he stands up in the pulpit. It's what you feel every time you go to share Jesus Christ or you're sharing the word with somebody. You feel these things too. It's dependence. Look at what he goes on and says in verse three, and he says, and I was with you, how? Let's just break this down in weakness. Look at, listen, this is the greatest follower of Christ that we know. This was the greatest preacher of all times. And he said, I stood with you in weakness. Paul wasn't dependent on his abilities, though he had many. Paul wasn't dependent on his gifts. Paul wasn't dependent on his personality. Paul realized he was weak. I am powerless. I can't do this. You know what Pastor Doug feels every week when he gets up here? The exact same thing. Weak. Do you know what I feel today when I was getting ready to come up here? I feel weak. Think about what God was calling Paul to do. Now just think about it. He went to Corinth. I described this city to you. It was wicked. It was massive. And think what God's plan was. Like, get up there now, Paul, and preach. Preach to them. (laughs) He had one instrument, his voice. He had one weapon, the Bible, to tell them there is one 
uh, disease. It's called sin, and you all have it. There's one cure. His name is Jesus Christ, and you need him. And there's one time, and you need... Because today is a day of salvation. You need to receive. How would you like to go out and preach that? How would you like to see that as a way? That's why Paul saw himself as weak. Because he's thinking, who would do that? Who thinks that's a great plan? God does. That's his plan. Preach. To preach. God loves it when the preacher is absolutely dependent on him. I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. That's what we always feel. But what is God's answer to that? Remember what he said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 8? He said, but my grace is sufficient for you. Let me remind you about that, Doug. God's grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness, God's power is made strong. Listen, loved ones, I'm not just talking to Doug. I'm talking to each one of us. Those of us who are seeking to be proclaimers of God's word unapologetically in the people that we influence. In your weakness, that his power would be made strong. Open up our mouths. Let God use our lives. But not only about weakness, Paul goes on, he says, with much fear and trembling. That's how I preached. With much fear and trembling. You know, Pastor Doug gets up here every week or other preachers sometimes on staff who are probably doing it. And you go, well, they seem like they know what they're doing. They seem very confident. They... Can I just pull the curtain back for you a little bit and tell you what Paul said that he felt? He got up and preached how again? With fear and trembling. You know how Doug gets up here a week after? With fear and trembling. You know what I feel right now? But there's fear and there's a little bit of fear and trembling. But my confidence is in God. Can I tell you some of the fears that you go through mentally when you get ready to preach? Preparing a quality message is draining. It takes prayer and study and wrestling with the passage. I probably spent 20 to 25 hours getting this message ready for this week. It's draining. You love it, but it's tiring at the same time. And you're choosing, what should I say? And what the hardest thing is, what won't I say? And God, will you use this somehow in the lives of people? It's mentally draining. That's where some of the fear and trembling comes from. How about emotionally? You know what they say about preaching? You know what they say? They say like preaching one message is like eight hours of physical labor because of the way that we preach. We're not just getting up here and kind of talking off our head. Like it's draining mentally. And physically, and Pastor Doug gets up here and does that twice every week. Here's another area of fear and trembling. Spiritually. Can I tell you that? There's a spiritual battle that goes on in this place, in this room, in your lives. Every time somebody stands up and preaches God's word. But you know what? It goes on in the preacher's life during the week as well. I'm telling you, as you open up God's word like we do, try to be faithful and preach all of God's word. And when you get into certain topics, I'm telling you, Satan is not happy and there's spiritual warfare and he wants to rob you and defeat you. And he wants to do that in the preacher's life during the week as he's preparing. I'm telling you, I see it over and over too in my own life. I can't concentrate. I, some nights I can't sleep as I wrestle with the word. Sometimes I feel defeated. Sometimes he whispers in your ear, it's stupid. They don't want to hear what you're going to say. It's, it's, it's dumb. 
There's fear and trembling. Here's the last one I put down personally. There's fear and trembling. I can't do this. I can't do this. But in God's power, you can. And he uses it. Remember? How do we preach? Boldly. Who do we preach? Jesus. What is the way that we preach? Dependent because I'm inadequate. But God promises to use his word, his words as it's preached faithfully in the hearts of people. So what's the application there? Will you pray for your pastor? I just wanted to say some things that he doesn't always get the chance to say. This is what it's like to be a preacher. This is what goes on every week. Pray for his wife. God is, because the evil one is attacking right there. But you know what? Pray for yourselves too. God, make me bold. God, make me a person of faith. God, help me to trust you in every one of those situations as I open up my mouth, which leads us to the fourth and final thing. When we preach, what is there? Power. When we preach, power. It comes from verses four and five. Let me just read them again. It says this, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but what? Say it. In the power of God. Amen? Yeah, in the power of God. When we preach, there's power. Now listen, here's the sad thing. Here's the sad thing that's going on in a lot of churches today. Sometimes we can just take for granted what's going on here today, what you're so used to when you get taught God's word, you think that's just going on everywhere, but it's not. There's a lot of churches and preachers, and look, I'm not trying to talk down other churches. I'm just trying to highlight what we're committed to here. But there's a lot of guys who've lost their confidence in this very thing that God says he'll bless and ordain, which is called preaching his word and doing it boldly. And they've turned to other things. Can I just share some things? Here's what's going on in churches. Entertainment. There's entertainment going on. There's lots of storytelling and big sets. And Now look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with some of those kinds of things. But if they're, look, if they're replacing the preaching of God's word, God doesn't promise his power. Here's another one. Sensitive. A lot of church is trying to be really sensitive. Careful, careful. You know, don't, don't offend anybody. Let's never say sin or repentance. You know, you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Let's just be positive, positive, positive. But we don't preach the entirety of God's word. We avoid certain topics. And I'm telling you, it will lack God's power. Well, here's the third thing, topical. Topical preaching is not wrong, but if we're doing it all the time, that's what I'm getting at. You want to be in a church where they're opening up the word and walking you through passages of scripture and they're teaching all of God's word. I'm thankful that this is that kind of a church. Because God promises when somebody gets you deeper into God's word, we're not just kind of going at the surface, topical, topical, what's interesting, newest, latest, what's in the news. We're digging into God's word. We're not afraid to say what it says. Thus saith the Lord. That's what God brings power with. And Paul says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me give you an illustration of this. Our church, 
back in the early 2000s was giving, given. We had to pay for some of it, but it was like it was almost given to us. Our church was given six, over 600 acres of beautiful property up in Michigan. And we wanted to build a camp called Camp Harvest. We have it today, and God has used it over and over to where we've seen lives transformed as his word is preached in our kids, in our students, in our adults. But I'm telling you, as we were excited about getting a camp going, not everybody up in Michigan was excited about Camp Harvest coming. In fact, there was a man named Scott Faulkner. I can say it because his life has radically changed. He's our best friend now. But Scott Faulkner, he started a group of people and they called themselves the Coalition Against Camp Harvest. They were doing everything they could to stop our camp from getting there. And I'm telling you, listen to this. I'm going to show you a, a little video clip here in a second because God absolutely laid him out as, he, as somebody gave him God's word as he read it. God's power totally changed his life. Listen to this. I still feel it in my heart. You get kind of emotional. I've heard that video 20 times. But it always reminds me, why do we preach God's word? Listen, because that's what God has promised to empower. And he uses it to change lives. Why do we preach God's word? Because it's God's word that saves it's God's word that brings healing. It's God's word that frees people from bondage. Listen, it's God's word that convicts and corrects us in righteousness. That's why we preach the word. Do you believe that? What happens when we preach? Power. Okay, those are four things that I think Paul talked about why we feel about who we are. We're unapologetic in our preaching. And those are four words that help define what do we believe about unapologetic preaching. And it'd be great to close up our Bibles right now and just say, okay, great, now we're on our way. But like we always try to do here, let's make it practical. So here's the fifth point, And I'll, I'll be through these very quickly. What's my response to preaching? How do I know if this is who I am? You know, is, am I a person who really believes in that? Here's just four things to help evaluate your life, okay? 
What's my response to preaching? Number one, attend the word of God. I got these right from Pastor James. These are not my own. Uh, I'm confessing it, but I just thought they were good. Uh, Attend the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 24 says this. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. What what, what should be my response to the preaching of God's word? Make it a priority. Every Sunday morning when you get up, the question should never be asked. Are we going to church today? Of course we're going to church today. It's a priority. I know the importance of sitting under the teaching of God's word. I need it for my life. Attend the word of God. Here's the second one. Accept the word of God. Accept the word of God. Paul said in first, I love it. Listen to this verse. First Thessalonians 2.13, he said this. You, to believers, he said, you accepted the word, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. Isn't that a great verse? That's what I want in my heart. I, that's my response to God's word. I want to accept it. The word accept means to welcome, to embrace And as you come into this place, and as we get to the place where we open up God's word, and Pastor Doug or whoever's preaching is going to preach, I hope you're engaged and you're ready to accept it and and willingly, eagerly let it take root in your heart. Get your Bible open, a pen in your hand, take notes, meditate upon God's word. Here's the third thing. Apply the word. Apply the word. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25 says... Don't just be a hearer of the word, but a, you know what, you know, see, Paul was using the example, he's comparing God's word to a mirror, right? You all look like you looked in a mirror today, and I'm thankful you did. <laughs> and what did you do? See, a mirror just accurately reflects what's standing in front of it, right? God's word's the mirror, And as we look into it, as my life is confronted with the truth of God's word, it accurately reflects where I'm at, where I'm doing well, where I'm growing, and where things need to change in my life. Listen, don't do what James said. Don't just listen and go, oh, that's out of place, and do nothing about it. Change. Let God's word be applied to your life so that you'll be more Christ-like in your life. Here's the last one. What is my response to preaching? Appreciate the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 97. I love what the psalmist says. He says, Lord, how I love your law. I love your word. Is that your heart this morning? Do you love the author, God, and you love his revelation of himself, his word? Are you studying it on your own during the week? Are you reading it? Is it a priority in your life? Are you feeding your soul and renewing your mind and letting it take root in your heart so it's bearing the fruit it was intended to in your life, which is Christ-likeness? So I say it again. Who are we? Well, one of the things is we are unapologetic about the preaching of God's word. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we can hold it in our hands and know that it is truth and reliable. But God, we don't want to just hold it in our hands. We want to make it a part of our life. And so God, I pray that as your word is faithfully taught here, as we read it on our own, may we see it as there's no shortcut, there's no other way to change and transformation and godliness in our life. It's through the application of 
unapologetic preaching to our life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.